Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording Lost in the Woods. Welcome back. Hopefully everybody had an amazing weekend. We had lots of rain here, lots of storms. Yeah. It's been a fun time. But today we are going to England for our case. Yes. In January of 2014, Esther Dingley and her fiancé Dan Colgate, they were both in their early 30s. They shared a good apartment in the picturesque cathedral city of Durham. Now, Durham is about 260 miles north of London, but the city's actually closer to Scotland at only 123 miles to Edinburgh City. So yeah, just kind of nestled between London and Scotland. They had met at Wardham College at Oxford University. Dan graduated with a degree in chemistry, and Esther had graduated with a degree in economics and management. After graduation, Esther wanted to travel straight away, but Dan thought it was too reckless and wanted to pursue a PhD and start working. So that's what they did. So Dan completed his PhD in chemistry at Durham University, and they both had good careers by this stage. Dan was a business development manager, and Esther owned her own personal training business. But it wasn't making them happy. Dan actually suffered from depression, and Esther had her own mental health struggles in living with chronic fatigue. Oh, I cannot imagine having chronic fatigue. Mm -mm. That would just be bloody awful. I literally can't imagine that. So the couple were due to be married in three weeks' time, when complications with a surgery left Dan with a flesh-eating bacterium, threatening to devour his insides. Oh, my God. Dan became so unwell that Esther and their family were told to say their final goodbyes to him. That's pretty scary. Now, this infection was actually a complication following his— he had a bowel surgery that was correcting a defect that he had had from birth. So— not a terribly dangerous surgery, but obviously it gave him a flesh-eating bacteria, so. Yeah. Now, a few weeks later, Dan did make a full recovery, and doctors kind of called this a miracle. The pair decided that this was a new chance at enjoying life to the very fullest, and they started making plans for a trip. Dan described it as the kick up the backside that we needed. So, less than three weeks later, Esther and Dan had leased out their apartment in Durham, sold their car, and packed some belongings and hit the road in their camper van. Who was named Homer? I like it. So the couple planned on living off their savings and the income from the leased out apartment. They wanted to hike and bike their way through Europe. Yeah, and this is a really big change from the life that they were living three weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, they sounded like they were both kind of miserable. They were working jobs, living a normal life, getting ready to get married, and now they're just packing up and taking off. I like it. So Esther actually started a blog, and... Their tagline was on a journey back to health and happiness, cycling, hiking, and learning about ourselves. And they said, we'd been unhappy for a long time, but it took a serious health scare in early 
2014 to shock us into realizing how fragile our lives are and that we needed a drastic change to discover what made us happy and find a more sustainable way of life. I actually feel like this would be an amazing way to live, so no judgment on this side. Now, fast forward to six years later, the couple are still traveling. They visited Australia, Switzerland, Spain, France, Slovenia, the Alps. They traveled together often, but they also went on solo adventures over the years as well. I would imagine that living in a small box together, you might need a couple solo adventures over the years. Mm-hmm. Now, they did take odd jobs like farm work, house sitting, if ever they were low on funds for their travels. So, I mean, obviously their savings probably didn't last them six years, so that makes sense. I wonder how they lined up these jobs. Just social media, like the internet? I would guess that they look on something like eBay, get jobs off, something like that. eBay was bigger in 2014, which is funny because I don't think I'd ever get a job off of eBay these days. But So Esther said it was not until on the road and finding out how inexpensive it could be and interacting with people living on the road for 10 or 20 years that we started to see that we didn't have to go back to the careers that we had. We realized that we could have done this years earlier. They began this blog at first to journal their travels for family and friends, and then to post lots of pictures of the places they went. And the blog was initially called Motorhome Adventures, but it's now simply called Esther and Dan. In January of 2017, Dan and Esther found themselves in a small cafe in San Jose, Spain, sharing lunch with Esther's parents. A stray puppy came up to Esther, and it was love at first sight over cheese and ham toasties. What are toasties? I don't know. It sounds delicious. What they didn't know until a quick trip to the vet is that Leela, that's what they named the dog, ended up being pregnant. The couple actually rented a house in the small town with space for Leela and her six puppies. Two of the puppies eventually found new homes in Spain, and the rest joined Dan and Esther and Homer, their van, on their travels. So they actually are now traveling in this van with, what, six dogs? How many puppies did the dog have? Six Six puppies. Four. Five dogs. Five dogs. So they are now traveling around in this van with five dogs. So on October 18th, 2020, the pair published a set of children's stories based on their travels with the puppies in tow. The puppy pack adventures contain five different stories. Yeah, this is so cute. So they had Bounding Bella Spreads a Smile, Awesome George Saves the Day, Poorly Patty and the Friendly Ghost, Ooh. Clever Rose and the Mucky Beach, and Lovely Leela Finds a Family. That's so cute. And you can actually still get these on Amazon. Yeah. It's $29.99 for the five books. Not too shabby. Five stars, too. Nicely done, guys. Now... In November of 2020, while Dan was house-sitting at a farm in Gascony, France, 
Esther was traveling through Europe with Homer. The van. The van, yeah. Dan spoke on their separate adventures. He said, we realized that during the coronavirus that we had not been apart from each other for more than a year. So we decided to each go and do our own thing for a little bit. This whole thing has been really good for us individually and our relationship, and we are genuinely happy now. So on Sunday, November 22nd, Esther was to embark on a solo trek in the Pyrenees mountain range. Her starting point was the Beneski Valley in Spain. Now, the Pyrenees mountain range provides a natural border between France and Spain. So they stretch about 430 kilometers or 270 miles from coast to coast. And this area has tons of hiking trails and lots of visitors. Now, the trails do sometimes crisscross over the borders. Beneski Valley is a town within the Pyrenees themselves. The town is surrounded by peaks and mountains. Sounds pretty. And France did enter their second lockdown on October 28. They are actually in a lockdown right now during this time. Okay. Esther was traveling along the Chemin de la Peretries, which is the Empress Path hiking trail. She would travel by Port de Venesqua before heading for Port de la Glire in the Luchon Valley. I'm pretty sure I just said all of that wrong, FYI. But I did my best. I'm sorry. And we're going to move on. Bring it up in the comments. <laughs> Maddie wouldn't read this one. Okay. The mountains are dotted with huts and refuges to stay along the way. Only some are manned, though, so some of these buildings or shelters don't have anybody at them. So it's like self-serve kind of shelter. Okay. Esther had planned to trek from Benesque, her starting point, to Refuge Venesque across the border in France. And that's where she would stay for her first night. Dan did describe Esther as a highly intelligent and experienced hiker, who was very capable and confident in such terrain. So he was not concerned about her hiking this alone. Um, I think that hiking alone is a bad idea in general. Yeah, I think we've learned that we... over the years for sure. Uh, now, at around 16 GMT, which 1600 would be 4 o'clock p.m., and this is GMT, which is Greenwich Mean Time. A little different than Pacific Standard Time, but hey. Esther took a photo of herself atop of Pic de Sauvegarde, which is a peak on the French side of the border. She then spoke to Dan on the WhatsApp app, and the call lasted about one minute. Hmm. This was the last contact made with Esther by anyone. And witnesses did see her on top of this mountain. Okay. The trek down from this spot was short and not terribly difficult for someone with Esther's experience. And the weather was pretty good for that time of year. So it looks like nothing's going to go wrong. She's experienced. Not that hard. Good weather. Something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Well, and actually getting to the top of a mountain is a lot safer than getting back down. Getting down is 
always more dangerous. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. It is unclear whether she made it to the refuge and stayed the night as planned because the refuge that she had planned on going to was unmanned. But no other hikers reported seeing her there that night. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting fact, too. On the same day that she goes missing, BBC News actually published an interest piece on the couple and their unique lifestyle. And it was titled, Van Life, Durham Couple, Six Years on the Road and Counting. So the day that she goes missing, BBC publishes this piece. They publish it the day she goes missing. Yep. Isn't that just so awful? So Esther is due to meet up with Dan in Gascony three days later, which is a Wednesday. While out in nature, it is common to lose contact at times. We Mm -hmm. know this. There's not service anywhere. She's staying up in the mountains. So he hasn't heard from her but isn't terribly concerned. Yeah. So even though he hasn't heard from her, he sticks it out and plans to meet up with her at their designated meeting place as planned. Mm-hmm. So Wednesday comes and Esther does not show up. Dan reports her missing to the French authorities and they begin to search for Esther. Now, Dan also travels to the area to aid in the search and he recalls helicopters and dogs were all dispatched to help. And I believe I read somewhere that he had to actually get special clearance in order to travel to where she was because of the lockdown. Mm, Okay. So Esther was experienced and well-equipped. So her planned hike was situated between two roads with her trail running through the middle. The roads were only about five kilometers apart. And one road was on the French side of the border and the other was on the Spanish side. And this path is commonly traversed by families and is usually a very busy trail in the summertime. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know what France looked like for hiking during the quarantine, but here people flocked to hiking trails. And it got so bad that they actually had to close down some parking lots to prevent overcrowding. Like they had to start manning these parking lots to keep people from hiking. Yeah, to try to keep it, the numbers lower on the hikes. Yeah. On Sunday, November 29, six French search team, the Mountain Gergamerie unit, had been out searching with a focus on the area between Port de Venesque and Port de la Glier. A helicopter joined the search of the Spanish side, and a spokesperson for the search effort said, The problem is we are in a lockdown here, so there aren't that many hikers on the pass. Now, on Monday, November 30, which is eight days missing, there has been no sign of Esther and bad weather is starting to roll in. The rescue efforts were immediately prioritized to areas that would be very difficult to search as the weather gets worse. So they had to search the probably more difficult terrain areas Mm -hmm. right away before the weather got worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, a hiker did come forward saying that they had been descending around 3 or 4 p.m. And they said that she had been on her way up to Salvaguardia. And remember, this is where she took the selfie that she sent to her boyfriend, fiance. Mm -hmm. Now, the sun does set around 6 p.m. So if it's 3 or 4 when they see her and she's still heading up, 
she's going to be running into dark pretty quick on her trek back down. Now, the French police classify her disappearance as either an accident, voluntary disappearance, or someone else is involved. Yeah, no kidding. What? What else? What? Fucking alien abduction. So basically, they're saying we don't know. It could be anything. Yeah, literally. But they leave out the alien abduction on here. Okay. Now, on Tuesday, December 1, nine days missing, Dan confirmed that a prevailing hypothesis was that Esther was no longer on the trail or in the Pyrenees Mountains at all. So I guess that's another theory right there. I mean, that she is just no longer there. Yeah. Made it somewhere, somehow. Not to her van, obviously, because it's still in the parking lot, but... I don't know. So in a Facebook post, he says, Taking into account Esther's high level of experience and the nature of the train, the good weather she would have had, the fact that she clearly had a defined route Sunday evening and Monday, and various other factors, both search coordinators have essentially told me that the prevailing opinion in the search teams is that she isn't there. If she had fallen from one of the paths, they really would have expected to find her given the intensity, the closeness of the search, and the fact that most of the trails are quite straightforward across open ground. And we see this kind of thinking all the time where if somebody's not found right away or relatively quick or in the area that they're expected to be in, then it's assumed that they're no longer there because they would have found them. What does the terrain look like of these mountains? It's kind of like where we hiked in France. I mean, the path is pretty well groomed. You know where you're going. There's not a lot of options for getting lost. It's a well-traveled path, but there's not a lot of hikers out there right now. Now, on December 10, 18 days missing, things come crashing to a halt because the weather intensifies and snow has now made it unsafe and impractical for authorities on both sides of the border to continue their search. The snow makes things very difficult here. She disappeared even before the snow fell, and it's very hard to see because of the snow, a spokeswoman said. The search was halted indefinitely until weather conditions improved. Mm. I know. And we kind of saw this with the Rachel Lackaduck case, We kind of saw this with the Sam Sayers case. Like once the weather got rough, it's hard to continue searching and it becomes unsafe for everybody involved. Not to mention they're in the middle of a quarantine right now, which means they probably don't have the same amount of volunteers or searchers that they would normally have available to them. So nothing really happens again until February. So in February, French police chief Jean-Marc Bordenario was quoted by the Times as saying that all avenues had been explored and concluded. And we have no indication permitting us to confirm the presence of Esther Dingley in France since she was seen for the last time on the Spanish side of Pic de Sauvignard. Sounds wrong. Mm-hmm. We'll probably have to wait till spring to undertake more searches. How frustrating would this so, be? So, so frustrating. Dan must frustrating. just be out of his mind right now. Now, on Sunday, February 21, Dan was interviewed by the Evening Standard and reported being in contact with both the French and Spanish authorities who told him they were each leaving Esther's case open and ongoing. Again, that's not very 
comforting, Mm -mm. I wouldn't think. Not at all. So some theories at this point in the case. So this case is particularly unusual for its complete absence of leads. Both French and Spanish authorities say that they have nothing to go on. Reports that Dingley disappeared on purpose to maintain her free lifestyle amid COVID lockdowns were fiercely denied by Dan and her family. Similarly, missing persons investigators say the absence of leads may go a fair way in potential ruling out a voluntary disappearance. Esther was very close with her mother, Ria. She was very open with her mother and would discuss travel and life plans with her. Another theory relates to the state of pandemic the world was in at the time that Dingley disappeared. According to the missing persons charity, LTB Global, Dingley may have been worried about potentially breaching COVID lockdown restrictions if she crossed the border into France along her travels. We want to get the message out there that we really don't care if you have broken COVID rules, said a spokesperson from the charity. Now, the LBT Global is a nonprofit organization which helps support families with loved ones missing, killed, or in crisis abroad. They handled the media releases for Esther's family. But I think I think a lot of missing people kind of got trapped under this umbrella during the initial COVID restrictions. Yeah. Another possible explanation for her disappearance is that she was the victim of a crime. But there was no evidence found to support this theory by French or Spanish authorities during their search. So then, of course, we go to could the boyfriend have done it? Now, he was, of course, he was 215 kilometers away or 133 miles, which is a three hour and 40 minute drive. There is no evidence, though, of him crossing the border. And the border control was a little stricter during this time because of COVID. Dan has said that he spotted many hunters out and about while searching for Esther. So, of course, could a hunter have been involved in this, right? Yeah. Sounds like a bunch of guesses. Like nothing with real substantial. It it really is. Now, the Pyrenees Mountains are home to wildlife such as brown bears, goat, red deer, Egyptian vultures, and the bearded vulture. Nothing really predatory that they're thinking could have gotten a hold of Esther. I still think it's so funny that when we were in Europe trying to explain to people that we have, like, wildlife in our forests. That actually kills us. Yeah. (laughs) That we hike with cougars. Oh, my God. People could not believe that we would go out in the woods where there are mountain lions that could actually kill us. Yeah. So wildlife isn't really something that was considered in this area. Now, the Bordenario postulates that it seems an accident in the mountains is the most likely theory but we are not ruling out any leads. And I would agree that an accident seems the most likely got lost, something like that. So in late April of 2021, France was amid their third lockdown. But with the weather improving, Dan decided he would resume his search alone. He reports on hiking more than 700 miles, or 1,130 kilometers, over the course of his search. And that's a lot. Of hiking. That's a lot of miles, but he must just be so frustrated and just intent on finding her. That's nuts. His trucks. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we're actually looking at a map that shows Dan's hiking since April of 2021. And it's crazy. He was all over the place looking for Esther. Now, in June of 2021, authorities resumed the search. Conditions were now safer for search teams. Dogs and helicopters were once again sent out, and the area was now much busier than it had been. And with more hikers on the trail, the hope was that there would be some sign of Esther found. But with more hikers on the trails, authorities stretched much thinner because you have to imagine there's going to be new people going missing, new people needing rescued, all of that. Mm-hmm. Sergeant George Lopez Romas of the Guardia Civil said that due to the priority of hikers using the trails, we won't be able to search for Esther systematically like we did at the beginning as other searches and rescues are needed. On Thursday, the 1st of July, France and Spain decided to launch a unified major search for Esther, hopefully reigniting the case. 20 French officers would search the French side, while 10 Spanish officers would search the Spain side. A French helicopter would support from the sky. So, I mean, they seem kind of determined to That's find more than something. I expected. Yeah, one absolutely, 100%. Now... In July, a mountain runner stumbled across a bone fragment not far from where Esther went missing. He reported the find of possible human remains to authorities. News traveled fast and speculation abounded as to whether Esther may have finally been found. Bordenero stated, We cannot say anything at the moment because the discovery of the bone is too recent and they must be properly analyzed. Now, usually it is difficult to tell the difference between animal and human bones, but he actually discovered a skull with hair attached to it. So they knew immediately that it was human. It's her head, isn't it? It is. Dan headed back out to search the area where the skull had been found. Because obviously he's got to be thinking. It's her. So then on July 30th, DNA testing confirmed that the fragment not fragment, it's a skull. Mm-hmm. Not bone fragment. Whole it's skull. Not, it's totally different than a bone fragment. I think that's probably just what the news reported because it sounds better than he found her head. How do you, how I don't did know. he report that I don't to? know. I don't know. How did that? I don't know. You don't touch that. I wouldn't touch it. So did he mark, like, you think I he marked no it with his idea. cheek? How do you think, how do you report something like that? I have no idea. Anyway... So, on July 30th, DNA testing confirmed that the skull found was Esther Dingley. According to a statement by the family, just a single bone had been found and searches of the immediate surrounding yield no further sign of Esther or any of her belongings. On August 9, Dan made the discovery of Esther's body and equipment near where the bone fragment or skull had been discovered. He led forensic experts to the location who were able to retrieve the body and examine her equipment. Her cell phone was there along with her clothes and her bright yellow sleeping mat. She was on the French side of the trail and had not crossed back over to the Spain side where her van was parked. An investigation was immediately launched. However, the early indication was given how and where the body was found that a terrible accident had occurred. 
She was at the bottom of a steep drop from a narrow piece of track. So on August 13th, French police made an announcement that the death was most likely the result of an accident. Though the cause of death remains unclear, the police believe that her hiking boots may have been inadequate for conditions. On the same day, LBT Global posted a media advisory contradicting reports that Dan had been quizzed at length by police after finding Esther's remains. They confirm that he would give a statement as is normal procedure, but seem to be trying to placate rumors. So they're trying to say Dan is not a suspect at this point. He gave a statement. He was not quizzed at length, that sort of thing. Because I think that people automatically jump to that conclusion, especially when a loved one is the one that finds the remains that have been. Yeah. That everybody else has been unable to find for so long. We actually ran into that recently a little bit where the loved one of another missing hiker found a different missing hiker and people speculated wildly that maybe he was involved, which is just crazy. 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 On August 19, Esther's family announced through LBT Global that a small private cremation would be held near the Pyrenees and Esther's ashes would be spread at a number of places that she loved. Dan said, Years ago, we promised each other that on our 70th anniversary, we'd walk hand in hand on the same beach we visited on our first anniversary. We'd eat chips, play in the arcade again, fail to win any cuddly toys, and reflect on all of our many adventures before hopefully slipping away together, still holding hands if we could. Ugh. Dan also said, We can never finish a hike without her pockets bulging with litter she picks up. She won't pass a stranger without smiling. Maddie's problem is rocks. She picks up rocks everywhere that we go. Pick up lots of rocks. He also asked instead of sending flowers or cards for donations to Sight Savers, which is a charity to tackle preventative blindness around the world, and Esther had supported this throughout her life and travels. So her last blog post had been on March 29th, 2020. And it talks about staying sane while living the van life. She talks about things like exercising every day, having fixed times for different tasks, setting manageable goals every day, actively working on communication with your loved ones. And in that one, she talks about living in a small box together almost broke up her relationship until they actively started working on it. Yeah. Keeping your space tidy, limited internet time, taking up new hobbies. Yeah, and in this one, she actually talks about how she learned to play the guitar, she was learning French and knitting, and she also posted a picture of her and Dan coloring in, like, those adult coloring books. I imagine those would be really helpful when you're trapped in a van. Probably, I'm sure. But, yeah, I actually went through and read a lot of her old blog posts, and it's so sad because she was finally living this life that she had always wanted to live and seemed to be really enjoying the life that she had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. I hate this one. I don't like this. I know. It's really sad. So I'm going to guess that she just fell. 
My theory would also be that she fell. I don't think that Dan had anything to do with it. I don't think he that... He hiked over 700 miles. It's like 1,000 uh, kilometers. I know. Well, and over 1,000 kilometers. And I don't think that anybody else had anything to do with it either. I think she was probably coming down from her hike. The light was changing, and maybe she didn't quite see how steep the train that she was on was. Well, I mean, I think a lot of our, like, missing person cases, a lot of them do involve getting lost. And I think don't hike alone. I, I really, that, I mean, if I, I could stress one thing, it would be that. Don't hike alone. Because this right here just goes to show that, like, your experience is really irrelevant when something extreme happens like you get hurt when something goes wrong when something goes wrong like it doesn't matter how much of an experienced hiker you are you fall where you can't be seen don't have service can't move can't do anything you break your ankle like well and if she had died immediately even being with somebody wouldn't have saved her right having gps wouldn't have saved her but what if she didn't what if she didn't die right away I i mean she probably didn't uh, she was probably in her fucking sleeping bag. In her sleeping always bag. in their fucking sleeping bag. I don't think she was in her sleeping bag, actually. Uh, but yeah, I I think I'm going to have to go and buy their puppy pack book set off of Amazon. I don't know. I feel like something that they did should continue on. And I feel like we're going to be reading books about puppies <laughs> very soon. I don't know what I need to do. <laughs> need something. I don't like listening to people die doing things, living the life that I want to. Living the life that you want to live. Well, and it's the van life too, right? I mean, we just dealt with this with the Gabby Petito case where this is basically the life that she was living. You know? Yeah, hey guys, you're thinking about doing van life. Let me just, we're going to ruin it for you here real quick. Yeah, maybe reconsider the whole van life thing. Although I'm pretty sure Maddie still wants to do the van life. I'm still not. I still want to do it. I know. I just want to travel. And there's so much good hiking to do in the U.S. Whatever you do, however you live your life, just be safe doing it. Set yourself up the best you can for success and be safe out there. Yeah. So this was the story of Esther Dingley. I'm scarred. I don't have anything else to say. I, Maddie's like, really, she's really depressed now. <laughs> oh, and a huge shout out to Sharna Lampert who helped with the research on this case. Yes. Thank you very much, Sharna. We're going to click over and do our bunker talk now on this case. So if you're a Patreon, come and join us there. If you're not a Patreon, just go ahead and sign up for that. Also... We have new Patreons. So we have Taylor Robinson. Welcome to Patreon. Thank you for supporting us. We have Cindy Christensen. Hi, Cindy. Welcome to Patreon. We have Emily Faulkner. Hi, Emily. Welcome. We have Tiffany Wiley. Willie? Wiley? Wiley? Tiffany Wiley. I'm going with that. I'm going with that. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to Patreon. We also have Patrick Young. Welcome, Patrick. And Bones? Yeah, we have a Patreon whose name is Bones. Hi, Bones. And then we also have Laura Neald. Hi, Laura. Welcome to Patreon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, you guys, for supporting us. Come and visit our Patreon. 
come and see us on social media. Interact with us on there. We're on Instagram and Facebook. We are also on Twitter that we don't do anything with. So. Don't go follow our Twitter. We're not on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, we are on Twitter. You can go we're, follow it. We're definitely on Twitter. If but I ever post anything on Twitter, Maddie, it'll be... Uh, yeah, it'll be a day. It'll be a day. So if anybody's really good at Twitter and um, wants to help us out with that, just let us know because... <laughs> Maddie's not doing it. and I'm just going to start posting cats on Twitter. You keep saying that, but then you don't post anything. Should I just turn into cat Twitter? Maverick and Goose? Yeah, you can do whatever you want. And some random blurry pictures I get You can do whatever you want with it. Just do something. I manage the Instagram, so we do post on there. And the Facebook. I actually, the Facebook just transfers from Instagram, so I don't actually manage that. But I do respond on there. And my only job is the Twitter. Maddie's only job is Twitter, literally. So, yeah, if you uh, are really, really good at Twitter and you know exactly what we should be posting, let us know. Help us out. All right. I think I'm just going to start posting random shit on Twitter. (laughs) Do it. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We really, really appreciate all of you tuning in. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Have a great night, you guys. Bye. You're literally sleeping. You literally just fell asleep while we were recording. What in the actual fuck is wrong with you? I'm sorry. How can you fall asleep when we're recording? We're like in the middle of recording. And I look over, waiting for your response, and you're asleep. I'm sorry. I'm going to murder you. I'm an impressive human being. No, you need to sleep at night so that you're awake during the day. Maddie's getting ready to leave on vacation right now. She's going on a cruise. I can't even handle it. She's going to be gone for two weeks, which I absolutely hate. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But it creates a lot of other issues, too, because it means that we are up early in the morning recording before she goes to work right now. And Maddie is not used to being up at this time of day. Hence her falling a fucking sleep while we're recording. It's really weird because my dreams are interlocking with the recording and it's really freaking me out. Oh my god. What's real and what's not real. Oh my god. You're out of control. I'm sleepy.